All right. Welcome back to the Chasing the Natty podcast, a college fantasy football podcast. I'm your host, Xavier Hood. Alongside me is my better half, Jared. On today's episode, we'll be recapping week two of the college football season and discussing waiver wire winners and losers from the week. So, Jared, week two is finally over. Uh, we have to, uh, you know, discuss our thoughts, uh, see some games that we talked about in last week's uh, review of the week, uh, see if we made any correct predicts or if we were very much wrong. And then we have to focus on the waiver wires in the future a little bit. So uh, first off, I want to start off and let everybody know that it is Sunday. So the NFL is officially back. I mean, we had our game on Thursday, but we had a full slate today. I will. I am. If we do release this episode online, I am wearing my Broncos hat because I am a diehard Denver Broncos fan. We won today against the New York Giants. I'm very proud. Uh, if Jared wants to rep his team, he's very much so inclined to. If he wants to, if he wants to keep it a secret, it's fine. But yeah, I will leave the guest um, a secret. They lost 28 to 3 in the Super Bowl. So that'll just give you a little I, hint. I would say, I would say, Falcons are ass, folks. It's all good. It's all good. It's all we're gonna get nothing. Kayvon, Th- we're gonna get Kayvon Thibodeau in the draft next year, and that's all gonna be good. It's all gonna be fine. All right. Yeah. Until <laughs> anyway. the Jacksonville Jaguars have something to say about it, they had a terrible. Maybe that I, I that that shocked me. Anyway, this is not NFL podcast. Um, this is not NFL. We don't care about that. We care about the real football where it is in the college four year programs. Yeah, no joke. It, it, it again. It, it was always funny to me when everybody this whole weekend was sending out tweets like, "Oh my God, football is back! Football is back!" I'm like, okay. "Y'all, football has been back for like three weeks. You just don't know where to look." Apparently, exactly. So, yeah, uh, week two in the books. I very, you know, I'm I'm very happy happy to be have proved. Jared, we're going to try that one more time. <laughs> I am very happy to have been proven wrong by the football gods. Uh, I said this was kind of a week slate relatively in college football. I didn't really expect, I kind of expected this to be a very quiet weekend. Very wrong. Lots of good upsets happening this weekend, and we got a lot to discuss here. So, yeah, uh, I guess we'll go ahead and move on to our first game. We have listed here and it was really the big one over the weekend the one that like everybody i don't think really a lot of people really saw coming even though it was a near top 10 matchup but oregon upsets ohio state xavier what are your thoughts here yeah uh well i will say uh it is sunday so the ap poll has come out and oregon has officially made into the top four which shocked me and jared both Uh, Mm -hmm. i did not see that type of jump that they were going to make because i think originally they were at 12 if i'm not mistaken Mm-hmm. Uh, and they jumped all the way to four for beating Ohio State, but it was a good game. Um, I, I will say I was impressed. It was it was a great game. It was, I was impressed from both sides. Uh, probably a little bit more or less uh, than on the Ohio State defensive side because they just looked terrible against the run. CJ Verdell finally looks like a consistent running back, and now that I say that, it's going to be that string of games where he just goes non-existent, and I have mm-hmm. to take back my words and be like it's the same old CJ Verdell. But he looks like a really like valuable asset that you know a lot of people have rostered for the past few weeks. So he's probably uh probably over fifty percent owned. But if he's out there on your waiver wire, I would suggest getting him. I would recommend it, even though I'm probably a little bit more hesitant. That's just me because I've been hurt before and I can't do it again. But uh yeah, and I I think that was really much it for the Ohio, uh the Oregon side of especially the offensive side of the ball. But I'll just get to the Ohio State uh for from a fantasy perspective. Ohio State did well on the offensive side of the ball. You had three 100-yard receivers. C.J. Stroud had an over 400-yard, close to 500. Uh, Mayan Williams and Travion Henderson, they did their, uh, they played their roles as, like, they're going in a little two-back, like, system. 
Mm-hmm. So where no, neither one is breaking off as that RB1 where they're going to carry the load. And I think that they're comfortable with that. So it's just like it's going to be a week to week thing of like where I feel like Maya Williams is obviously RB1. But uh, Trevion can like definitely get to that 1B if he wants to, if he emerges and like steps into that role of being the best back in high school that he was, which he's on his way for that. But yeah, that game was just great to watch as a, just a football fan because it was just a great upset. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau was out with a, a, a leg end or a foot injury from last week's game against Fresno State and Justin Flo. Uh, we found out like immediately before the game started that he wouldn't be playing a great inside linebacker. So uh, it was just looking every way for Ohio State to just go out there and win that game. But it just didn't end up that way. So I was very shocked, to say the least. I mean, Oregon played with, with about as much heart as you can expect any team going into that atmosphere to do and i think ohio state just got caught flat-footed um i kind of expected a similar game to the minnesota game last week it had a very similar feel to it where i was feeling like okay they're going to come in they're going to struggle early probably not going to score as many points as people think they will by halftime but half but after halftime they'll make their adjustments they'll probably pull away by a touchdown or two in the second half but Oregon's a better team than Minnesota, clearly. And yeah. they were able to take advantage of Ohio State kind of coming out flat and put up some scores on them early on. Um, like we mentioned before, C.J. Verdell had himself a hell of a day on the ground. And like we've joked already, be prepared for him to score six points the next two weeks um, because that's just what C.J. Verdell does. Um, but, yeah, again, I'm, there's a lot of people putting out tweets and everything and like, oh, Ben Stroud, bring in Ewers. Stroud was not the reason why Ohio State lost that game. If you want one per, or one one group of people to look at, one group of people only to look at for Ohio State's loss, just look at their entire defense. Man, oh man, just some of the the coverage called in that game, and they got beat on the same like outside run to the left three different times. I think they scored three different touchdowns on it. Like it was insane. Yeah. We're just watching it. I'm like, did they really just do that again? And Ohio State fell for it once again. Regardless, I thought it was a great game. It was it was like I actually it it's fun watching a comeback. So if it was weird for me to kind of be rooting for Ohio State a little bit to try to make it an interesting game and see if they can put it into overtime. But even so, like again, lots of fantasy value found in that game. I don't think either I don't think anybody really expected it to be that high scoring of a game. Like 30, 35, 28, I think was a little bit higher than what I would have expected the total to be, because that's like 63 points. Yeah. That, so, yeah, I thought it was I, I thought it was a great game. Um, so we'll go ahead and move on to our next game here, and that was the other. The, I mean, this was the only top ten matchup of the weekend. Didn't feel like it with Oregon and Ohio State, but even still, uh, Iowa, Iowa State, El Asico. Uh, man, I called this one wrong. Um, I was ready for Iowa State to get game day, have Iowa come in, beat Iowa for the first time, and like. Five, seven, five to seven years. I can't remember the official number off the top of my head. I was ready for Brees Hall to have himself a day. I was ready for um, I was ready for Iowa State to get themselves some, some momentum going into some Big 12 play. And just didn't happen. Uh, Iowa State's defense is quite legit. Um, Brees Hall still found himself in the end zone just because that's just what he does. Uh, three guarantees in life, death, taxes, and Brees Hall finding the end zone. Um, but even still Brock Purdy, my God, three interceptions in that game. He like, I don't like 
pointing to one player, one player only and saying, you are the reason why your team lost that day. But I'm going to say, obviously throwing three interceptions is not going to help your team whatsoever. And they're just three bad interceptions. Like it wasn't like tip balls or anything like that. These were just poor decision-making on his part. And I really think that just put Iowa into too many good situations to where they could quickly score and just put that game completely out of reach for Iowa state, especially since Iowa state couldn't get any explosive plays really going on in the run game or the passing game. So Xavier, what are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, I, I, I will take credit for this. I did call this uh, game going in Iowa's favor. Like Ashton Kutcher called the night before and was like, Xavier, Iowa's going to win this game. I'm a super fan. It's all about, you know, the corn out there. And just the air at Iowa is just different than those at the uh, for the Cyclones, uh, wherever they are. So in Iowa. I know, but I didn't know <laughs> if those, like, wherever they are. No, 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 no. But like, they're not like not like in the same vicinity. Like, one has to be like either up north or east or west, wherever well, they are. Ames, in Iowa. Ames, Iowa's right in the center. I forget where Iowa actually is. I, I'm exactly. I'm on. So Iowa. he said the the grass is much greener wherever Iowa Hawkeyes were playing, and I just believed in the defense that all of us have uh, been hearing for the past two years that Iowa's defense is actually legit. Now. They are been put. They have been put in the top five teams in the nation according to AP. I'm a little bit hesitant to say that, but I the resume is just speaking to it. To where I'm just like, you've won the games that have been put in front of you. You've beaten top uh, opponents, and you've gotten this ranking, and you've shown that you belong. Now, I do not think that like you know, if you end up making it to the Big Ten championship, that you would end up ultimately like beating off uh, whoever's on the other side, whether that be Ohio State or somebody else, or even if they're, I think they're on the they're both on the West, right? Uh, well, no, I, hold on, who, who, Iowa and who? Uh, Iowa and Ohio State, would they meet in the Big Ten or would it be? No, they would be in the Big Ten else? Championship if they. Say they would. So, yeah, I, I don't believe that Iowa would, would beat Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship. I, I don't believe that. But I, I think in court, like we've seen this throughout college football, you play whoever's in front of you. And if you win the games you're supposed to win, then you get the credit that you're supposed to get. So Iowa's move, uh, moved its way into the top five. They didn't have like the greatest fantasy of day to where they didn't have great players like making explosive plays. Like Tyler Goodson had a touchdown, but he only had like around 50 to 60 yards and it took him 21 carries. So it wasn't mm. the most efficient day, but they I mean, did what they were supposed to do to win that game. Yeah, good, good defense on both sides, both sides, both teams really. Like again, the it looks like Iowa got once again got some good defense going or got some good offense going. But the problem is, again, when you throw three interceptions, it's just good field position for their offense every single time. So it's not like these were long, sustained drives that Iowa was doing against Iowa State. It was they, – they just had a good field position, were able to score based off of it. Yeah. So, yeah, again, uh, congrats congrats to the um, – congrats to the Hawkeyes. Uh, excited to see them. My prediction that they win the Big Ten West is looking better and better every single day. Uh, right, at least every single week, which probably means they will lose next week to whoever they're playing. Um, but even still, uh, Cyclones, uh, they definitely got to recover from this, and they they still have everything they want to do ahead of them. It, it's an early season loss. Um, you can recover from that, especially if Iowa continues to be as good as they look. Um, they can easily kind of recover from that. Still have the Big 12 ahead of you. Still have playoff hopes if you really want to go that far with Iowa State. So I think – both teams, as good of a game as this was, I think both teams still have a lot of goals ahead of themselves. Absolutely. So we'll go on to the next uh, big game. And again, once again, another big shocker here. And 
Arkansas not only upsets Texas, but dominates them to the tune of 40 to 21. I'm not going to lie, Xavier. This one completely threw me for a loop when I was watching it. I did not expect Arkansas to just dominate uh, Texas's D-line like that in the run game. Um, I did not expect uh, Hudson Carr to struggle that much in an away environment. I Again, I was speechless during that game. What were you thinking? I don't know. I, I remember in our uh, earlier, like, review of the uh, – I guess I like looking ahead towards the week uh, to week two. Um, mm-hmm. I, I remember I was a little bit hesitant about this, but I, I went with uh, the spread and the cover of the game, and I was like, yeah, I feel like Texas can win this game, and it would be on the back of, like, Bijan and maybe, like, a few uh, plays on defense, and maybe Hudson Card can, like, you know, manage the game well. But I've seen this story before where – Georgia went there last year, first game of the season. Obviously, we didn't have, like, you know, the quarterback we wanted, but we still have the talent around them. And Arkansas kind of shocked the SEC and the nation to say, hey, we're no, like, pushover team. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't, like, going to just write Arkansas off and say, oh, you're still the same old Arkansas, you know, teams can beat up on you. So it wasn't too much that I was surprised, but it was the way that they did it, though. Like, Mm -hmm. I know I saw um, a few people where they were just like, yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised if I saw KJ Jefferson, you know, have some little – direct snap plays and he just run for it even Raheem Rocket Sanders a lot of people in the C2C community have been hyping him up for a while getting a lot of action and a very big game as well too and then also you have Traylon Smith the uh, lead back for Arkansas as well too so it was very much like just going into the SEC environment all the like Arkansas fans being rejuvenated and coming back and like packing out that stadium and being excited I think that just was they weren't ready like Texas wasn't ready they're a very young team or young program to where mm-hmm. they have talent, but it's not matured yet to where they can't beat these teams that they're supposed to beat. Like they're not, they're not ready for it, especially in the SEC. No, one of one of the big things I think that's got that people have to start paying attention to more is with some of these younger teams. You have a lot of guys, sophomores and freshmen, that have never seen a true road environment in college yet because of the pandemic last year and everything. You had some you had a lot of games which typically would have been packed you had limited capacity to them. And so I think that's kind of partially what happened here in um, this game, especially when you have a rejuvenated Arkansas fan base now who now has a coach they truly believe in. They believe they can win these big games. And, well, they went out and proved it yesterday. Um, I'm, ha- I'm happy for Arkansas. Like, again, they're SEC opponents and all that. Georgia's got to play them later this year and everything. But they're a team that's harder to not root for because, you know, They've been down for so long, so it's nice to finally see them like win some of these big games, actually put themselves on the map a little bit. I'm actually really excited about the Arkansas-Texas A&M game uh, in Arlington in a couple of weeks. I think that's going to be a good one now, uh, especially with uh, Texas A&M struggling against Colorado. We'll get to that here in a second. But, yeah, I really my whole thought of the game is pretty much a lot of people's thoughts, and that's welcome to the SEC, Texas. Yeah. Nice, nice little horm, uh, housewarming gift for you. Yeah. Also, so, Texas is always and forever will be back. Just for of all course. Texas fans out there. All right, Xavier, if we're looking at the dose here, I'm going to go a little bit out of order because I did just mention this game. So we're just going to go ahead and move on to it. And that's, that's fine. Yeah. Texas A&M barely surviving Colorado. Um, like I mentioned a second ago, I think part of this is the the home environment for Colorado, which isn't your typical like typically like you don't imagine a Colorado home environment and be like oh that's a huge advantage, it's not usually 
But when you have a team like Texas a where you got a lot of young players on there who haven't been on these environments yet, playing up at high altitudes, like you are looking at a lot of different disadvantages for the Texas A&M team. And I think that's in addition to Haynes King getting hurt pretty early on in this game, I think really threw them for a loop. And honestly, again, I say survive in the most literal sense. I think Texas A&M, once Haynes King went down, said, okay, we got to not let them score and because we're at a massive disadvantage now. So honestly, I'm kind of proud for Texas A&M for pulling this out because a lot of things did not go their way here. What do you think, Xavier? Yeah, uh, I won't chalk this up as to the environment so much. I don't think out in the Pac-12 that environment is like reflective of a true college football because I've seen like a lot of pictures of UCLA, USC games, uh, even Oregon and Colorado games where they're not really true environments because they're not like, you know, they're not they're not used to this type of success in football. So you'll just get like, you know, some regular crowd noise and maybe a little bit more than usual. But I, I attribute this mostly to Haynes King going down once they he went down. They, their backup was a uh, Calzada and he just uh, he wasn't the most impressive quarterback out there. It's, he yeah, definitely wasn't going to like, you know, carry them and, you know, put the put the team on his back and throw for multiple touchdowns. It was really on the back of Devin A. Chain and Isaiah Spiller, Isaiah Spiller, mainly because he was the one that caught the, uh, I, I would say, game winning touchdown. Mm-hmm. So because it was a uh, three to seven for a really long time until I think the the fourth quarter. And I, I remember I was watching with my friend. Uh, we, had, we was talking to our other friend in the he was a Pac-12 believer and an Oregon fan. It's like, oh, yeah, the Pac-12 may be a little bit better than the SEC. And I was like, nope, the SEC bias is still strong within us. And we know what the SEC is. So they will find a way. Texas A&M will find a way to hold on and keep that um, that top 10 ranking. I don't even think they are top 10 anymore. No, they're, they top, they're top 10. So they uh, they dropped from yeah. five to seven this week, I believe. Okay. But the, I, I knew they would hold on to keep that top 10 ranking. But with Haynes King going down, that throws a very big wrench in Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M's plans. Hopefully Haynes King can come back healthy in the uh, next uh, couple of weeks or maybe in a, a couple of days. We don't know the ex- full extent. But it's definitely going to be a huge reliance on that run game for the rest of the season. I hope so, because Isaiah Spiller has not exactly been the world wrecker I was hoping for in fantasy. Um, yeah. yeah, I think we kind of covered every base we could there. We'll go ahead and move on to the next game. And this is one that I I don't want to say I called it, but I definitely pointed at it and said, Miami really needs to be careful here. And, well, they almost messed this up. And that's Miami surviving App State to the tune of 25 to 23. So, yeah, uh, Xavier, what are your thoughts on this game? I didn't get to watch too much of this game. I just only heard like rumblings of like, you know, when you hear a p- potential upset, you get the update on your phone or the ESPN alerts. And I, I went to check my phone and I see Derek King. He's having an okay day, you know, throwing the ball. I think he had like 200 yards passing, but no touchdowns. He's doing well on the ground. So I was just like, App State is always a team every year where they throw a wrench in somebody's season to where they, they try to catch somebody like off guard or lacking. And it's just like, like you did call it that it could be a potential. It, it's something that you have to be cautious. And I think Miami realized that, uh, you know, quickly and they weren't, you know, able to catch up for a while, but then, you know, the talent beat out. Like I think I, I mentioned in our last episode, I was like, I like Miami's talent a little bit more than out of state. So I think ultimately that's how Miami ended up winning. Now I know some of our listeners and viewers will like, you know, send us things and be like, Nope, Miami really got really lucky on a couple of these plays and I'll give me some more context. But, uh, I feel like that's how uh, the game possibly went. I, I'll, I'll check the box score, but I also like going to get uh, want to hear how you uh, perceive the game. 
I think this is, oh God, how do I say this? This is kind of devastating for Miami. I'm I, okay. Like, let me, let me, let me explain myself here. This is less to do with fantasy. This is really less to do with like just their goals for this year and everything. Cause clearly they won, they survived, they advanced. Miami is a team that is trying to position themselves as somebody, as a team just on the cusp, right? Like just ready to challenge the Clemsons of their conference, challenge the Ohio States, the Bamas of the world. Like they're a team that, that wants to perceive themselves that way. It's like, it's the same boat that UNC finds themselves in. Like they're, they're a team that says, Hey, we have something going here. Hop on board recruits, especially these South Florida kids that keep leaving the state. Miami has to prove to these guys, hey, we're just on the cusp, but we just need you and we'll do it. You can't do that when you're beating App State 25-23. You can't do that when you're getting blown out by Bama 44-13. to Like That's not happening. And I'm just saying, this is, these are two rough games for Miami back-to-back that really kind of just says the future of this program is really quite as – a little bit more uncertain than I'd say the beginning of the season was saying, what do you think? What do you, what do you respond to that Xavier? I'm going to have to disagree. I don't think uh, Miami had those expectations. I I think they had the expectations of like, you know, potentially moving this program into position, like you said, on the cusp, but like this year is not going to be reflective of that. Like, I I don't think, uh, I know I I read a few uh, of our guys in the community's tweets about Derek King. And we like his talent from the fantasy perspective of his rushing ability. And also he's become a better passer in recent memory, but it's just like from, for what Manny Diaz wants to do and all the talent that they have, Derek King's probably not the, the right person to do that for them to win those like big games. He's just not the quarterback. He came as a transfer. It felt like it was an immediate, like a, a quick uh, solution to a bigger problem. And they're slowly fixing that bigger problem by recruiting and building up these players. But on the cusp, I mean, App State is not a bad team. I, I don't want to underrate App State as a bad team to just say, hey, you struggled against App State. It's not but like you, if it was – Do you know who I, else is in a bad team? UAB. Ooh. And you know you know what a program that is a championship-caliber program does to a team that's not bad like UAB or App State? Blows them out 56-7. to seven. Yeah. You but don't, you don't get caught in a yeah. struggle fest for 25-23. I'm saying – like. This is uh, again. I, I, you're I talking about Georgia, like them bringing in these recruits and everything, but you can't do that when you're show, like this is the product showing on field. I I will say this. I, I don't think we can compare Georgia to um at Miami just yet. Miami's in that realm of North Carolina and Miami, and then like I would say like you know Penn State, Wisconsin, Iowa's like those realm of schools to where you're not the big program just yet. You're not there yet. You're not the Ohio State's. You're not the Alabamas. You're not the uh, Oklahoma's you're not those big three like in the SEC like Georgia's we're probably the closest thing See, like in I that get middle th- buffer I get this if you're facing like a tougher team like if, if, if Miami lost to like UNC or even Virginia Tech because I think Virginia Tech's gonna be good this year from everything I've seen or like everything like that if they lost to like a good conference opponent I'm not gonna knock them too much it's like hey you get two or three losses on the season like two or three good losses like that's not gonna be the end of the world you're still building and everything but if you're struggling against group of five teams you're just not taking care of business that's gonna be again i think it's just a hard sell especially for especially for local kids who want to go play for championship programs that that is true but i I will we'll we'll quickly end this i I will say miami just has that history of like having all those nfl talented players in the hall of fame and where they're located to where they'll never probably lose out on recruits like they're up there with Florida State, where Florida State's, you know, selling a dream that's probably never going to come in the next two years, where people were saying, hey, is Florida State going to be better than, like, uh, Miami and, like, by 2026? I don't even know what those programs are going to look like by 2026. 
but I just don't see them as championship contenders. Probably they, they probably have two different head coaches by then. Oh, absolutely. But I just don't see them as, you know, still being able to challenge a Bama, Clemson or Georgia or Oklahoma or even Ohio State in those upcoming years. These are these are bigger problems that they've like neglected for many of year, many years that it's going to take a full like just overhaul to, to fix. And they have the recruits, the solid foundation, but they just don't get it right. I think those are I think that's a fair point. And the only thing I'll leave this on is, do you think that. FSU and Miami fans are patient enough for that. No, 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 absolutely not. It's, it's been, it's, it's been too long. Like the, the Cam Newton and then the, um, not the Cam Newton, but um, God, what am I thinking of? Uh, the Jameis Winston era is over. Like you can't latch onto that anymore of that wonder, uh, that wonderful season you had during the BCS and all those good times. And then Miami, you can't hold on to your 2003 or 2000s championship with all those great hall of fame wide receivers and DBs. Like, you can hope that you get that back, but it's going to take a long time to you like sustain yourself uh, to get your back in that position. So, uh, fair enough. All right, we'll hit we'll hit these last three games real quick. This next one's just a fun one. We like it was great to finally just see a true old fashioned just shootout, and Memphis Arkansas State delivered that. Uh, man, that that was a fun game to go back and watch. Um, just points all over the place. No, like defense. What was what is defense? Um, final score 55 to zero. Memphis ends up pulling out the win 55 to what now? 55 to 50. What did I say? Oh, I heard 55 to zero. I was gonna be like, whoa, probably, probably miss said that. Um, no, 55 <laughs> to 50. Again, yeah. absolute shootout, both points on both sides. Uh, some of the guys have been waiting to explode did in this game. Calvin Austin had himself a day yesterday. Um, Jeff uh, Foreman had himself a day. Uh, Dave Valence Hunt had himself a day. Corey Rucker had a good day. Uh, I can't remember if Ivory had a good day or not, but um, even so, uh, Brandon Thomas had a good day. Again, points just all over the place. This was just a fun one. Xavier, any thoughts on this one? Yeah, I forget like you're forgetting a big name there in the help of the win. Seth Hennigan, freshman quarterback. I was going to get to him later. Uh, okay, okay. Well, I mean, it was a great game. I, I will say I was a little bit shocked because um, – Arkansas State did a little bit something different. I, they started out with Lane Hatcher in that game, and then they they switched it up to uh, James Blackman, a transfer from Florida State. And, are and you he telling threw, me? Are you yeah. telling me Arkansas State switches out their quarterbacks at random times? Oh, no. they do. They do. No, 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 no. But I, I I just thought you know after the week that Lane Hatcher had, I thought maybe Butch Jones would just stick with the consistency. But James Blackman proved me wrong. He threw them. He threw more touchdowns than them. And they just look so similar to where I'm just like, I don't like, I mean, obviously they have different play styles, but I mean, they're putting up similar numbers at the same time. It's like, it doesn't really matter what you do as long as you're getting like, as long as they're getting the playmakers, the ball in their hands and they're something else that they need to do is don't turn the ball over. God, just from a fantasy perspective, God, Butch Jones, for love of God, just pick one, pick one, pick one. They're, they're both doing fine enough. I mean, Blackman had a rough week last week to probably go Hatcher, but even so, like they're like just pick one and move on with it. Uh, anyway, we move on to the next game here. Uh, another big upset this weekend: uh, Stanford, uh, after getting demolished by uh, Kansas State last week, goes to USC and upsets them. So, Xavier, what are your thoughts here? I am very disappointed in USC. I was told about a dream. That Keaton Slovis, you know, with his, you know, accurate with his accuracy and his completion percentage, 
was going to overhaul this offense and, you know, help USC to bring them back to maybe to get a Pac-12 champ, not, not to get them to uh, win the Pac-12, but maybe like get them in that championship realm. And now I'm looking back at it and I'm like, why did I believe in USC? Like what is recent? It's like, it's like Florida state and Miami. What in recent memory has given me hope to believe in USC? Nothing. It, it's just like, why, why do I do this to myself? So I, I'm just like, there's just no point to where you come out here and you're barely scratching the surface of like in the past uh, week, you barely come out of your win against, um, Oh God, I'm forgetting who they beat Cal, I believe um, the week before, or it was somebody um, else. No, they played San Jose state. They actually beat them they pretty comfortably. San- oh, okay. Okay. You beat them comfortably, but Keaton Slovis wasn't like, you know, he only had two touchdowns. He had like a 69 or 70 uh, percent completion percentage, which was good. But I'm like, you have all these weapons. You have Drake London. You have Taj Washington. If all these transfers are running backs, like you can't all be terrible. But end up, they still all are still terrible, even in the Pac-12. And only Drake London is a bright spot on that team, which I'm glad at least one person on that team is fantasy relevant. And you're telling me Stanford comes out, and the only player that I know from Stanford is Austin Jones, and he wasn't even the factor in that game. It, it just goes to tell you like that USC is just – I don't know what they're doing with their program. I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. excited for the future of like, you know, prospects like Jackson Dart and maybe like, you know, some up and coming receivers, uh, some Michael Triggs in the tight end room to see what they do. But right now I feel like it's a coaching thing and also it's a slowest thing. So I really am kind of off. I'm leaning more way, way more off of uh, USC. I believe, I believe it was Josh Pate yesterday who sent out a tweet. Uh, during that game that said Stanford just did the USC fans the greatest service that they could have done. And this is the kind of game where this is why Clay Helton will get fired eventually. Like, please like put USC fans out of their misery. Like Clay Helton is not the guy he is going to lose one or two of these kinds of games every single year. And it's They're never going to be able to get where they want to get under him. And I think this is one of those deals where, his buyout's low enough now to where the school's now looking at it and saying, all righty, like this game almost is enough for us to fire him. So I think, I think this is pretty much the beginning of the end. We've been saying that for like two years, but I, I really think this is the beginning of the end for Clay Helton, unless he somehow pulls a complete magic trick out of the, out of his butt or something like that. I don't even know. It, this seems like a hard co- hard loss for him to overcome, especially this late into his tenure. Yeah. So we'll go with this last one. Um, BYU upsets Utah in the Holy War. I didn't see this one coming. I thought Utah would be the more experienced team. I thought they would be the kind of more defensive ones. Meanwhile, BYU is bringing a lot of new guys like Jaron Hall at quarterback. Uh, But no, BYU comes in, upsets Utah, and then there you go. So Xavier, what do you think? Yeah, I I was just like you. I thought, you know, Utah's defense would be able to shut down – BYU's offense a little bit and slow Tyler Algier down because I was I know uh, coming into the season I was kind of concerned about Tyler Algier I was like no longer have Zach Wilson which I mean quarterback doesn't really have that much effect on the running back that much but also using your OC to Baylor so I'm like are things going to change is your workload going to change are you going to be able to like go against a little tougher schedule because last year they had a little you know easy cupcake schedule until they faced like Coastal Carolina and a few um few other teams where they kind of got close but I was like wow now you're going to go against Utah uh Arizona some power five schools where I mean even though Arizona's not that great I just didn't see Tyler Andrew having the success that he had last season he's proven me wrong every week 
So mm-hmm. I, I'm happy to say that BYU like is finding their footing and they've recently joined the big 10, uh, big 12. So I think in the upcoming year, they, they'll be, uh, within a conference. That would be great to see and great for recruits as, uh, for the recruiting strategy as well, too. So I think BYU should, BYU should feel good, great about them. So BYU fans should feel great as well, too. Um, I will say for Utah, there is still hope. I mean, there are some bright spots on your team, like Michael Bernard, running back, fresh, true freshman, is re- looks really good. Is he a true freshman? I think he's a true freshman. Or maybe he's just a freshman and got, you know, the COVID season doesn't count. He is a freshman. Wow. I, I, I'll i be yeah. real. I thought he was older than that. Yeah. So he's come in. He's carried that workload for that running back room, uh, separated himself from um, – likes of like TJ Fledger and a few other transfers that came in. So I look, I really like what's going forward and hopefully they can put a good campaign. And so, uh, you know, maybe challenge some of these teams in the Pac-12, maybe like an Arizona State or Oregon. So we'll see. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Utah still has everything they want to do ahead of them, even though this is kind of a bitter loss to, to swallow considering it's a rivalry game. And uh, yeah. of course, BYU should absolutely be ecstatic about the fact that their young quarterback went into that environment and was able to come out with a win. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. This is a fantasy football podcast, so we might as well actually talk about some of the players that you should be picking up this week. So we're going to start uh, with quarterbacks. We're going to do the same thing we did last week. We're going to have five to six uh, players in each position that we're going to tell you to try to go out and grab if they are available in your leagues. The uh, criteria here is that all the players we'll give you are owned in less than 40% of your leagues. So it's not a guarantee that they will be on the waiver wire. But there's a pretty good chance that they'll, like there's a greater than 50% chance that you will be seeing them on your roster. So we'll go ahead and start with the quarterbacks here. Uh, first one here is Chris Reynolds out of Charlotte, currently owned on right at that margin, 40% of teams. We had this guy on the show last week. Why is this man still on the waiver wire, y'all? This man put up like 30 plus fantasy points against a Duke. Now, Duke's not a great team, don't get me wrong. But even so, that's a power five team. They went into a power five. Um, they went into a power five home stadium and was able to put up that kind of put up that kind of stuff next week, cupcake game, obviously still putting up some good points at everything, but even still his rushing ability shows that he can take off at any time to score a touchdown. I see no reason why Chris Reynolds can't be a backup on somebody's roster in your league. So Xavier, what are you thinking here? Yeah, I, I did love his first week against Duke. The second week, it was just a little bit like he threw uh, really uh, only 17 attempts and he only completed on 10 of them. So he didn't have the greatest of fantasy weeks, but his rushing ability, yeah, speaks volumes. It's where he only had one passing touchdown and one rushing touchdown. He did have two interceptions. If you count interceptions, then that kind of hurts. Mm-hmm. But if you're not, and if you're in like, you know, a standard uh, league, then yeah, he's still a good value there, especially in a deeper league and kind of need help at quarterback, uh, you know, just to take a flyer out. And even, even still, he can only get better because Charlotte looks like a really good program. They have good pieces around them, especially like Victor Tucker as well, too. Absolutely. So I wouldn't mind picking him up uh, if I was in a deeper league. So, yeah, absolutely take a flyer on Chris Reynolds. Yeah, uh, y'all, uh, he better not be on this list next week. Um, okay. Next one. This one's kind of a big one. And I was honestly shocked that his only at 1%, but we finally have an answer to the Memphis quarterback situation. Grant Gunnell and Seth Hennigan have been apparently battling out the past couple of weeks, but Gunnell now injured likely out for the foreseeable future. And Seth Hennigan comes in as the starter for this past week's game, really the game before as well, but this is the one he really lit it up in against Arkansas State. Again, not the greatest defense in the world or anything, but we've seen in the past that the Memphis quarterback is a great fantasy asset to own. And again, I'm looking at that 1% and it's blowing my mind 
fact he's only owned on one percent of leagues i might be the one i might be the person accounting for that one percent because i got him in a couple of leagues so i see no reason why if you haven't already and you're struggling a quarterback to go pick to not go pick up seth hennigan Xavier, what are your thoughts here yeah, I, I'm in complete agreement. Uh, the man, as a freshman, threw five touchdowns. Uh, he, he's throwing to your best, uh, the Memphis's best target in Calvin Austin. He's spreading the ball around. Brandon Thomas is getting a lot of work too. So a lot of these young freshman uh, Memphis players are contributing fast to fantasy. Uh, you know, quarterback and running back tandem. That's really nice. And then you have your experienced wide receiver. Then if Ivory stays for one more year, which most likely will, because I think he's a sophomore. So if he'd be going in his junior season, takes over that uh, wide receiver one role, then you're kind of set up for a nice little offense uh, next year. And also even including this year, I mean, because he has all these this like uh, embarrassment of riches from Memphis and it's all up to him. And he looks like he's comfortable and, you know, getting better week by week. So, yeah, absolutely. Get that Memphis quarterback. Uh, it could be, you know, the make or break for you or your fantasy season and maybe a championship. Yeah, no, again, like, uh, I know Xavier has been a proud owner of Brady White the past two years ah. that he was in the league. Um, I definitely like Brady White a lot. And this really is starting to look like a uh, Memphis offensive old. Like last year, we had a lot of problems in terms of trying to figure out who the running back was. Um, Brady White was kind of inconsistent game to game. But now I think we were already looking at Seth Hennigan kind of solidifying that role. Brent, Brendan Thomas becoming that RB1 there. Uh, Calvin Austin, Javon Ivory, and Sean Dykes being those three awesome uh, receiving options. So oh, I'm excited God. to see what I they forget? got. I, I was going to say, how could I forget Sean Dykes? Yeah, he had a great week as well, too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, next quarterback we have here on the list is another one who I think the quarterback situation has finally settled down. And it looks like Jaden Delora out of Washington State will be the starter going forward. Now, week one, Jarrett Garantano was started in his place for some reason, mm-hmm. and Jaden Delora eventually did come into the game and looked a whole lot better than Jarrett Garantano. Started again this week, put up some great numbers, um, gave Travell Harris some fantasy relevance again. So if you're struggling at quarterback, there's no reason not to go pick up Jaden Delora to kind of help out your fantasy league. Xavier, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I like Jaden Delora a lot. Uh, I feel like he definitely gives a significant boost to that Washington State offense, like especially the one of old where I, I remember it was like maybe two, uh, one or two years ago where there was a stat that Washington State had one of the best like offensive, like they, they were like the highest rated offensive team in the nation at the one point because uh, it was the Pac-12. Anthony Gordon was just chucking touchdowns. I remember that back, game he had like nine. Back when it was Mike Leach. Yeah, but, I mean, even now, you have a lot of weapons around there. Travell Harris, I mean, Jen Delore also had a rushing touchdown, so he shows that upside of, like, you know, he only had 23 yards, I believe. So, if I mean, the fact that he's still getting, like, goal line work or just, you know, breaking off of these touchdowns and they're including him in these, uh, these plays, I think, yeah, definitely is a great option. Now, he does have some tough Pac-12 teams ahead of him, but especially his next game is against USC, and I think those are two pivotal games for both teams. Now, if Jaden Delora shows out, then, yeah, absolutely. You know, if he's still in your league, pick him up. But if you have, if you have a little bit of hesitancy, then I can understand why you want to w- maybe wait just a little bit longer because this past week he went against Portland State and put up great numbers. So if you want to see it to believe it in, in, uh, in the conference, then I, I completely understand. But if you want to be first on it and then, you know, just take a waiver and see how he does and then drop him after, then, yeah, that works too. That's an option. Oh, fair enough. And, again, like – Again, like obviously, if, if these were surefire bets, they would have already have been 
um, scooped up probably before this week. But even so, I think Jaden Delores is going to be a great fantasy option going forward. Uh, the next one is, again, one I was surprised by the fact that his, of his um, ownership being so low, and that's Mr. Kenny Pickett out of Pittsburgh. Now, I get it on some level that he's not the flashiest quarterback in the world. Like, you're not going to see him uh, grab you. Thir- like, he's not got the upside of putting up 35, 40 points a game or anything like that. But even still, Kenny Pickett has some very good rushing ability and a very weak ACC conference. And we saw in games like this past weekend against Tennessee, especially when these games get close, Pittsburgh really likes to rely on Kenny Pickett unless you could easily see him break 25 points any given week. So again, if you're struggling at quarterback, there's no reason why you can't pick up somebody like Kenny Pickett with a very, very safe floor, in my opinion. So what are you thinking, Xavier? Yeah, I, I like the floor of Kenny Pickett. I, I do a lot. Uh, I think this Pittsburgh team has showed that they can go on the road. They can handle, even though SC, uh, Tennessee is probably not in a good place right now for their program and in the SEC, and they're going to struggle a lot going forward. I think for Pittsburgh, you know, being known as like the mediocre team of like just in general of like, you know, out of all of college football where nobody's amazed by Pittsburgh, but nobody's ever going to like, you know, say Pittsburgh is just outright terrible. They're just there. They, you know, you win a couple of games, you know, sometimes you just hope for maybe a, a seven or eight win season and Kenny Pick is at the helm. And, you know, I feel like it's just a, a stable thing. If your quarterback room is just, you know, uncertain week by week, if like, all right, I can put my quarterback out there against cupcake opponents, but then he's having a tough week coming up going against like, a power five, like dominant program, like a Clemson or Alabama or somebody like that, then Kenny Pickett is a safe option to throw out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, that's what I agree with 100%. So yeah. move on to our last quarterback here. And this is one that you wanted us to throw on here. So I'll let you kind of talk about him for the most part. And that's Mr. Logan Bonner at Utah state. So Xavier, what are you thinking here? Yeah, I, I remember I came, uh, uh, we watched the game together because I came by late because I, uh, I wanted to come uh, in town for some things. But um, I stopped by. We watched that game. I was very impressed. Uh, Logan Bonner transferred from Arkansas State. I, I wasn't really like, uh, I remember you were all into him last season and you thought he was going to take over that job. Mm-hmm. And he ended up didn't. But I feels like he found he's found a home in Utah State. And I really like the connection that he has with uh, Devin Tompkins, if I'm not mistaken, the wide receiver. Yes. So I really like that connection. They do have a, a, a very uh, interesting slate coming up. So it will, I, I would wait on it for a little bit to see how he performs. But if it ends up being, you know, just, you know, I think if the floor is uh, at, a, at a good, uh, at a good uh, you know, number of fantasy points, then I feel like he's a good flyer to pick up. No, absolutely. Um, yeah. So with that, those are our five quarterbacks for, for the week. And I'll recap them here real quick. Somebody did ask me to do that at the end of each of these segments. Uh, the five quarterbacks we think you should pick up this week. Uh, Chris Reynolds, uh, Seth Hennigan out of Memphis, Jane Delore out of Washington State, Kenny Pickett out of Pittsburgh, and Logan Bonner out of Utah State. So now we're going to move on to our running backs. And I cannot believe the words are coming out of my mouth, but we are recommending a Michigan player in fantasy. <laughs> And that is Mr. Blake Corum out of Michigan. So, Xavier, what are your thoughts on Mr. Corum? Yeah, like you said, I can't believe we're mentioning a Michigan player for fantasy relevance. And I can't believe it's a running back. And I can't believe it's not out of an Everts, who uh, I was kind of hoping for. But it's Blake Corum. And Michigan has a little tandem of running backs to where, I don't know, it's going to be interesting to see. It's, it's really like, you know, who are you rooting for? I, I know me and Jared both like Corum, but there's Hassan Hank, uh, 
Hassan Haskins uh, still there in the backfield, uh, who did really well against um, – God, they played Washington this past weekend, did really well as well too. They both had like – I think they split for 40 carries, 20 down the middle. It was like 21, 22, something like that. It was just so, ridiculous. Yes. And they each got touchdowns, each over 100 yards. So I feel like that won't be able to last for an entire season, especially when they get back to the Big Ten. So uh, Harbaugh's going to have to make a, a difficult decision of like, all right, how do I want to manage this? But I like Corum's upside. I, I do. He, he's he's much. Uh, he's only a year younger, but the fact that he's able to put up these stats now, I, I think I like just you know the growth that he possibly has. And also they have Donovan Edwards in the back too. So you know Michigan might be brewing some things over there. And that maybe the running back coaches you know talking their language now and finally like making that connection to uh, uh, win some games and maybe have some relevance. Possibly even you know if they get lucky, maybe have a chance to upset Ohio State. But I'm not gonna say that just yet. No, I, I'm definitely not saying that yet. Um, again, the thing, impressive, I, I think it's a good point you brought up about the fact that Corum and Haskins, I think both, if you believe in either, are options to pick up off the waiver wire this week. The thing that separates Corum to me compared to Haskins really is the receiving work that I've been seeing Corum get. And for me to see him getting involved in both the receiving and the running game is what makes him have a little bit of higher upside in my opinion. So that's why I'm recommending him, not necessarily Haskins here. So we'll go ahead and move on to our next running back here. And that is Mr. Harrison Whaley. I believe he is a, yes, he is a true freshman at Northern Illinois. And this man went off last week against Wyoming. He went 26 carries for 179 yards and two touchdowns. Obviously the 179 yards is very, very nice. But the thing that's separating to me is the fact that he is getting a ton of the share of the volumes Try that again, Jared. He is getting a massive amount of the carries for this Northern Illinois rushing attack. Out of the 38 carries that they had in the game yesterday, he had 26 of them. So there's nobody really behind him that says, hey, I could be in danger of taking touches from him. Now, the downside to Whaley, it seems, is the fact that Ratkovich, the second uh, running back, had six carries in this game, but he had three touchdowns. So you could see some vulturing from him there, but even still this volume to me is too big to ignore. And I think Harrison Whaley is a great pickup for you, especially in a dynasty league. There's no reason not why he should ever be still on the waiver wire there. What do you think, Xavier? Yeah. Uh, I'm looking at his stats now. I, I, I remember the Northern uh, Illinois team, they beat Georgia tech in a, um, you know, if you want to call it an upset, you know, uh, it's still Georgia Tech, but I mean, he had 27 carries in that game, 144 yards and a touchdown, a long of 35. And then the Wyoming game, he had a long of 75. And I like the volume that he's getting because if you're getting 26 to, if you're getting around 25 to 27 attempts, that just gives you more chances to break off for that, you know, that big one or mm-hmm. a, a large game. Or if, even if you are having the hot hand that day, then maybe coach will give you that goal line work instead of the other running back behind him. So it will be interesting to see going forward. Uh, uh, their next opponent will be uh, – actually, I don't really know. Let's see. They are that's facing Michigan this week. That's the only other thing I was oh, going to add in. And yeah, it was the that's, fact that's... that I was just like, if you're going to pick up Whaley, know you're probably not going to be able to start him this week because that Michigan team is looking like their defense is pretty good this year. So I'm going to say he's definitely somebody you pick up, bench this week, and then use, especially once they get into Mac play. Oh, my God, I can't imagine what yeah. he's going to look like there. 
Yeah, I'm so, seeing a lot of MAC opponents after this Michigan uh, game. So, yeah, they go against Maine, Eastern, Toledo. So, yeah, that'll, that'll be fun to watch. Oh, yeah. Uh, move on to our next running back here, and that's Mr. Brandon Thomas out of Memphis. Like we like we kind of mentioned before with Seth Hennigan, it looks like this Memphis offense is really starting to come onto its own. Uh, people's roles within this offense are getting solidified, and Brandon Thomas is looking like it, or it is that RB1 at Memphis at the moment. He is looking like he's taking that job by storm, and it looks like they're going to be relying on him quite a bit. And this is going to be a, a team so far – as far as I've seen, he's going to score a lot of points this year. And Brandon Thomas being that RB1 is, means that he is going to be prime candidate numero uno to be getting a bulk of those carries and a bulk of those touchdowns on the ground. So, Xavier, what are you thinking here? Yeah, uh, with that Memphis uh, team and having all that talent around them, it's just a perfect storm of just offensive talent to where defenses are going to have to, like, account for your running game, your passing game, your tight end, your quarterback. So it's, it's really just pick your poison at that point. And they're giving Brandon Thomas majority of the work. Like, you don't even see Rodriguez Clark or uh, a few other guys. I think, uh, well, what's his name? Um, God, saluting me. Asa Martin? Uh, and the, yeah, Asa Martin. So it's just mainly him as a freshman, and that's just very impressive. And he's getting, like, 10 to 15 carries, and it just feels like it's going up each week to where they're trusting him more and more with the offense. And if, especially if they started using him in, like, you know, catching out of the backfield, then – Man, he's going to be primed, you know, next season to be one of those top RBs. Mm-hmm. So, I'm really excited for Brendan Thomas. And I, yeah, after this, after this week, I don't think he's going to be. Uh, he's probably going to be over like 70 percent of rostered. I would say he's currently at 17 percent, which is crazy to me. Um, yeah. Next running back we'll talk about here is Mr. Taj Brooks out of Texas Tech, currently owned on 16 percent of rosters. Um, a lot of people avoiding Sir Roger Thompson this offseason, and turns out yeah. you're right too. Um, just cannot stay healthy. And thus I kind of opened the door for Mr. Taj Brooks here. And this looks like a Texas tech team that's going to be relying on the run game a little bit more than you've really seen in past years, especially with uh, Tyler Sheck there at the helm. Not that he doesn't do well, but it looks like that they are wanting to slow down this offense just a little bit and rely on this run game a little bit more. And Taj Brooks looking like they're uh, looking at looking like the guy who's going to sit there at the helm. So Xavier, what are you thinking here? Yeah, I, I'm in agreement too. I still like uh, Tyler Shuck and Eric Azukama, you know, passing it through the air. But yeah, you, I, I think, you know, as a football fan, I, I always believe in, you know, establishing the run game. And mm-hmm. I like when teams have a, you know, they're giving the running back uh, a good amount of work so that they can move it down the field. So, I mean, I, I think, yeah, definitely. He only had 11 carries, but he had 115 yards and two touchdowns. So I, I do like this going forward. And Texas Tech, for the rest of their games, they're playing like, you know, Florida International, uh, their next game. Texas might be a little bit tougher. West Virginia, we'll see. So they, they're getting back in the Big 12. So this will be a little test for him as well. But I'm excited. No, fair enough. Uh, move on to our next running back here, and that is Mr. B.J. Baylor out of Oregon State. I remember when this depth chart first came out. Uh, and a lot of people saw B.J. Baylor's name at the top of the list. And they said, oh, that has to be a mistake. Like, I've never even heard of B.J. Baylor. Like, it's got to be Deshaun Fenwick. It's got to be Lowe. It's got to be one of those guys. Uh, and I was with that crowd. I'll be real. I, I, I saw that. I'm like, okay, I saw the oars, and I'm like, okay, they're just trying to throw off whoever it is. Turns out they really like B.J. Baylor up there, and it looks like he's kind of breaking away from this pack in terms of the guy that's going to get the majority of carries. It's, it, he can really solidify the amount of carries that he gets in this offense. That's going to be huge for his fantasy relevance. Uh, this past week against Hawaii, 
He went 18 carries for 171 yards, three touchdowns. Now, granted, we've already just seen from Hawaii this past year that their run defense is almost literal air. Uh, but even still, like the fact that he's solidifying 18 carries out of the amount of rushing, rushing attempts that they did, I think is huge for him. And it looks like with his three touchdowns, he will be a guy that they go to on the goal line. So, Xavier, what are you thinking here? Yeah, uh, I didn't like the fact – I mean, yeah, I was happy that he was able to put up over 100 yards and have three touchdowns against Hawaii. I was like, if you're a good running back, you're supposed to, you know, expose these teams for their bad run defense. Now, I look back to last week against Purdue when they lost by nine. I, I did notice that, you know, he did have the most carries, but it was only by uh, three carries because it was nine to six and Trey Lowe was the, uh, the next back. But mm-hmm. he did have two touchdowns, so I feel like they trust him maybe – more on those like goal line chances or if he does, you know, separate himself from the pack, then yeah, he's going to probably like take up majority of those carries and uh, those shares and definitely uh, be that lead back and could uh, Ray Mel, uh very well, maybe, you know, in a couple of years, uh, you know, develop into an- another great back coming out of Oregon state. Yeah. Again, like Jamar Jefferson and everything. That was crazy last yeah. year uh, yeah. when he finally got in, he was a world wrecker. Um so, yeah, especially if uh, Oregon State's passing game continues to be a little bit less than desirable, I think you can absolutely see um, B.J. Baylor really become a focal point in this offense, which would be huge for them and his fantasy relevance. Uh, we'll go on to our last running back here. This is another guy who kind of barely meets the threshold. Mr. David Bailey out of Colorado State, owned by 39% of leagues. This is a guy that... I think the word here is volume, volume, volume. Steve Adazio is going to force feed him like a kid at Thanksgiving. You are going to be seeing plenty of work from Mr. David Bailey all season long. And I'm honestly legitimately shocked that he's still only owned by 39% of rosters. So, Xavier, what are you thinking here? Yeah, I'm in complete agreement with you. I like uh, the volume that the coach has had, especially uh, leaving his last program and taking David Bailey with them. Because they mm-hmm. came from, what, Temple? Boston College. State, or not Boston College. That's right. That's right. They came from Boston College. So I, I like that he brought them with him. And then that Colorado uh, State, even though they're, yeah, you know, they have the tight end and McBride and then David Bailey seemed to be the focal point of the offense. So I like that going forward. No, absolutely. Again, th- this this was me. Like m- normally I would see this and I'll be like 39%. I'm like, all right, I got to find somebody a little bit better than that. But I was like, David Bailey, really? Like he's still on the waiver wire in a good majority of leagues. Go pick him up, y'all. He'll be a good volume, low floor kind of guy for you. Uh, we'll move on to our wide receivers here. Uh, actually, hold on. Let me recap the running backs real quick. So we have six running backs that we think you should pick up on the waiver wire this week. Uh, Mr. Blake Corum out of Michigan. Harrison Whaley out of Northern Illinois. Uh, Brandon Thomas out of Memphis. Taj Brooks out of Texas Tech. And B.J. Baylor out of Oregon State. And then Mr. David Bailey out of Colorado State. So we'll now move on to our wide receivers, and there's no other place to start than Mr. Devin Tompkins out of Utah State. We, br- we briefly mentioned him before, but y'all, Blake Anderson's found his wide receiver one at Utah State. There's no other way to describe it. Um, go back. Look at Blake Anderson's offenses at Arkansas State. You always had at least one receiver that really just ate up the targets in those offenses. Before, or most recently, it was Corey Rucker in the last couple of games uh, for Arkansas State last year before Jonathan Adams had gone out with an injury. But before that, it was Jonathan Adams Jr. Before that, it was um, Omar Bayless. Like, you see, like, you, like, just go back team after team after team. 
He finds a wide receiver to focus on in the offense. Devin Tompkins is that guy at Utah State. And also, in addition to that, Devin Tompkins is freaky fast. He is faster than most of the guys on the field that he'll be playing in any given Saturday. So absolutely watch for this guy to be hitting home run touchdowns every single week. Xavier, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I, I liked what I saw in that last game, especially against um, – oh, God, they played Montana State. No, North Dakota. North Dakota, North Dakota. Oh, God, one of those Midwest teams. And there was that one play where he caught it out of the flat, and I was like, there's no way that he could outrun that linebacker in the safety. And he just blurred past them. And I was just like, it takes that amount of, like, space. And he's just one of those guys where – you just get the ball in the playmaker's hands and just let them do them and they'll like handle the rest. So yeah, mm-hmm. I definitely love the upside. And like you said, with the coach and having the, all those receivers, especially at Arkansas state, I love Jonathan Adams jr. I love Corey Rucker right now. And Jeff Foreman had some great games as well too. And those uh, last year when Jonathan Adams was out. And mm-hmm. so it, I think it's just primed uh, for him. It's all up to Logan Bonner and they, they do have a, a little bit of a rough schedule head, uh, you know, heading up but we'll we'll just see how utah state handles that so i mean they, they beat washington state so obviously they they're they they're some kind of good um yeah. we'll go ahead and move on to our next wide receiver here and that is mr roderick burns out of north texas one of the big questions of the offseason was who's going to be the next jalen darden now i don't think we have a jalen darden on our hands by any means but the wide receiver one in a north texas offense is a very good fantasy value to have and it looks like two weeks in a row so far it has been mr Roderick burns not jair shorter not not deontay simpson not tommy bush mr Roderick burns has solidified himself and he has only owned in two percent of leagues so xavier what are you thinking here yeah i i think i'm not going to count jair shorter out of the race just yet because he did have 100 yards in that smu game as well as two mm-hmm. but the northwestern state game Burns did have over 100 yards as well. So it's the consistency factor there. But I think I, – I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility for, like, yeah. Like, I mean, obviously, teams can have two good receivers. So I, I don't mind people taking flyers on Burns, especially since he's shown the consistency over two games now. But I, I can't just count out Jair Shorter just yet. But I wouldn't mind making that pickup. As we speak, I am going over to – my group of five league and I'm seeing if he's still available and he is. So guess mm-hmm. who's picking him up on the waiver wire this week. Good, good, good. So we'll go ahead and see y'all. I pick up the people I am recommending to you. I am not just throwing random names out to you. Um, we'll go ahead and move on to our next wide receiver. And we're going back to Arkansas state. We've talked about Corey Rucker. We've talked about Jeff Foreman, but the breakout star I've been seeing out of Arkansas state has been Mr. Tavalence Hunt. Now, again, he doesn't have the upside. I think Corey Rucker does. I don't think he has a touchdown magnet that he does. Um, but I think he's in a very similar vein as Jeff Foreman is, where this is going to be an offense that passes a ton, and Tavalence is going to be getting a ton of work every single game. He's absolutely worth storing on your team to see if he gets very consistent work on this team or even just throwing him in at your flex if you're really struggling to find somebody you think will do well this week. So, Xavier, what do you think here? Yeah, uh, I'm going to say this, that he's been a nuisance for, you know, for me, especially in my fantasy and having Corey Rucker as a share on my, a few of my teams. But, I mean, Corey Rucker's still a great receiver, and I still think he's that wide receiver one. But Tavilla's Hunt has shown that 
Arkansas State is a very dangerous team with a very dangerous wide receiver room and Jeff Foreman, Tavalis, and Corey Rucker. So it's really it's really tough to just even say like if there even is a a wide receiver one because either one of them can break off for a hundred yards or both of them can or all three of them can if they just have a crazy week of like you know if they have another Memphis game but this time they actually win instead and have an extra touchdown some more yards. Mm-hmm. Again, I agree. So with- I. I I love him as a player. I agree 100%. Uh, we'll go ahead and move on to the next wide receiver here, and that is Mr. Samori Torrey, transfer from Montana over to Nebraska, and had a very rough week one, but these last two weeks, he's really shown that he and Adrian Martinez have set up some chemistry, and he looks like Adrian Martinez's go-to options uh, in these games, especially these games where they've been beating up on some lesser competition. So I think if you're struggling at receiver, there's no reason why you can't uh, pick up Tori and see what happens. So Xavier, what are you thinking here? Uh, I, I, I'm, this is the first time I think I'm going to have to agree on a waiver wire pickup. They've, they've had a nice little ride of three games. The first game, obviously, they didn't win. And Martin was the uh, better receiver that day. But they have a rough schedule for the rest of the year. Oklahoma, Michigan State, yes. Northwestern, Michigan, Minnesota, Purdue, okay. Ohio State, Wisconsin. You have about four or five ranked teams in there. And yes. some of those teams I rank highly that yes, are not ranked. Yes, 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 yes. But doesn't that say game script will, will force them into passing situations? No, I, I just don't trust Adrian Marcinez to make the right decisions in actually good games. Says the man that wanted me to put Adrian Martinez on our waiver wire pickup. Well, yeah, I was like, look, I was like the stat. I was like, the stats are good right now, but they're definitely about to drop because Adrian Martinez, he's not good at quarterback and he's going to actually have to go against competition now. So it's just not going to look good for them for the rest of the season. Like Scott Frost, like you've had a nice little two little uh, two game win streak, but that ends like next week against Oklahoma. And it's just going to go only down from there. And things are about to get really ugly. Fair enough, fair enough. But again, I'm just seeing the consistency so far, and I'm saying, hey, Tory's worth a wave wire pickup, especially if you're struggling at wide receiver. So our last wide receiver here is another guy that I'm pretty sure was on our list last week, and I'm going to say him again, Mr. Danny Gray in this SMU offense. Mm. This is going to be a team that is going to be passing a ton. And Reggie Roberson, I know. Rashi Rice, I know. Like this is going to be a team that puts up plenty of points every single week. And Danny Gray is going to have a very safe floor in this offense. So Xavier, what are you thinking? It's tough. Cause I, I really want, I'm holding like for my one share of Reggie Roberson I have in our home league. I'm really hoping he returns to form to where he, like he was like that solidified wide receiver one and Danny Gray and Rashi Rice were fighting for good games. But right now it just seems like Danny Gray it's taking over that Reggie Roberson role and uh, Reggie Roberson's kind of being a little bit forgotten. So I, I feel like, you know, over the course of the season, the things can change and Reggie Roberson can get like, you know, back in the form and back in the stride and pick up where he left off. So that's what I'm kind of hoping for. Mm-hmm. But if not, and Tanner Mordecai's favorite receiver is Danny Gray, then get the number one receiver for SMU. Cause then that's going to be, I won't say to the extent of Reggie Roberson before the injury, but, that's still a really good receiver that's getting you over 100 games and at least a touchdown. Yeah, I, I agree. Fair enough. Um, right, let me recap our wide receivers real quick. We have five wide receivers here. All, all of these guys I think are great add-ons, but 
none other than Devin Tompkins is probably the best waiver wire pickup you could pick up this week. Um, Roderick Burns out of North Texas, Tavalence Hunt out of Arkansas State, Samore Torrey out of Nebraska, and Danny Gray out of SMU. Uh, last, we'll go through the tight ends here. And these are – we're going to go these, through these pretty quickly because none of these guys really Whoa. jump out to me. But no, the first – no, 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 no. Hold on. Except for the first two. The first two that I mentioned here are the ones you should really be targeting. The other ones, I think if you are really struggling, you just can't find anybody, you could probably find, find these guys on the waiver wire and you'll be fine. But the first one is Mr. Trey Berry out of Boston College. I believe he was a transfer in this past offseason, and they've clearly, clearly carved out a role for him in this offense. Uh, he's gone two weeks in a row with a long touchdown pass. Um, I believe you should be able to see that pretty consistently. And some of you might be saying, oh, but Jerkovich just got hurt. Well, Trey Barry's touchdown this past week came after Jerkovich got hurt. So uh, I can't remember the, the quarterback they put in after Jerkovich, but even still, Trey Barry is still getting plenty of work, and I think you can absolutely pick him up off the waiver wire. So Xavier, what are you thinking here? Uh, I don't know. Like, I, I really, like, I know the caveat, like, yeah, Jerkovich got hurt, but I will put this and I'll be like, but they played UMass. So that's not going to be UMass every week. And things might, it depends on Jerkovich's injury and if he's able to come back. I mean, you're right. But even still, the fact that he is a being lined up out wide, being used in a true receiver's role, and you can put that in your tight end slot. I see no reason why you can't try to take advantage of that. That's true. Especially, I feel like, you know, at this point in stage, if, you're, if your tight end didn't pan out that you drafted, then, yeah, I, I would take the flyer and hope for the best that he can get you about around like seven to eight points. No, fair enough. I'm going to let you talk about this next one because I can oh, use it because, because you, you, you were the, you, you were already trying to talk over me, like acting like I was downplaying I this man. No, no, no. I, I'm gonna... It wasn't downplaying, but I, I wanted to just like, I was like, you may not like, you know, maybe rating these players highly, but I no, was like, no, 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 I've no. been this, on this man this, out of high school. This man and Barry are the two guys I'm really, I'm really pushing this week, but I'm going to let you talk about, uh, our friend here so you go ahead and talk about him Xavier okay uh well let's see a Georgia tight end being fantasy relevant take that to all the haters that said Georgia offense would never change to all the times we had Isaac Nod and a few other great times that we had in the past but we've never had a tight end like this I will say like I know you're probably all wondering oh what happened to Darnell Washington well he's injured at the moment and he's still going to be a great option in the future for us but we have a weapon that I have like it is just amazing to see with your own two eyes of what we have in this man he lines up at receiver and he's getting a lot of targets from it doesn't matter the quarterback JT Daniels in the Clemson game get him a lot of targets this past game Stetson Bennett we want to talk about Stetson Bennett back of quarterback for Georgia you may have saw him last season threw five touchdowns two of them were to Brock Bowers and he had over 100 yards this man is just a reception machine and a like a constant threat on the offense that's why that's why George is honestly doing so well to where we we're using we're utilizing our weapons to where we're throwing teams off to where we're having player we're recruiting players that just have skill sets that we've like I, I I'm just never seeing a tight end that can run this fast. I'm pretty sure blinds all said and done in the next two to three years, he will probably be one of the best tight ends like coming out of college and he's gonna run a really fast 40 time. Because right now he's kind of, you know, he's not the, the 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 right build for a tight end where you kind of want, where you kind of want him a little bit bigger and meatier. But that will come over time. 
And hopefully that won't like, you know, stifle his like, you know, his natural talent, which I don't think it will because the way we're using him in the mocking offense, it's just great. And I, I look forward to this every single like week now because it's just like, it's just going to throw defenses off. Either it's like, he's going to like be a constant, like just somebody that the, the defense is going to hone on and it's going to leave other receivers open. Then you can like, you know, invest in more Georgia offensive players or Brock Bowers is just that talented where it does, the defense doesn't matter. So I just love Brock Bowers. Yeah, Shout out to Brock Bowers. Xavier has had a love affair with Bowers. Pretty much, he was, he, you were high on him out of high school, but you really solidified him, your love for him during the spring game, I remember. Oh, man. You, you he started called running me after, really fast. You, you, you called me afterwards, and I remember you telling me, like, Jared, that is not a tight end out there. That is another receiver is, we have out there. Um, it was amazing. Yeah. This is the game that has – so beforehand – I was kind of thinking like a lot of people would be thinking if they saw this and said, okay, Brock Bowers is great. But if, when Darnell Washington comes back out, he's going to be taking over those snaps. I don't think that happens anymore. I really think that Brock Bowers has shown that he's too good to keep off the field for Georgia this year, even as a true freshman. And I think he's going to continue to get work throughout the rest of the season. Now, obviously there is still the concern that again, with Washington coming back, that's just another person for JT Daniels, Setson Bennett, whoever's starting a quarterback for Georgia this next weekend to be throwing to in that role. But even still, we've seen the athleticism of Brock Bauer show us that this is a guy who can break off for big plays almost every time he can touch the ball. So I think absolutely, if you're struggling at tight end, why not take a flower on Brock Bowers? Yeah. And I, you know what? I will disagree about that with Darnell Washington coming back where some people concerns because Darnell Washington is a very big body and he's like six, seven two sixty. They made the comparison on ESPN when he was coming out of high school that he's basically like LeBron James on the football field. But I could see Georgia using him more for his blocking ability. He pancakes people like an old lineman. It's not even funny. It's like it's like a, a grown man going against a four-year-old child out there sometimes when you have like smaller linebackers going against them that are not like just not as tall or not as big. Mm-hmm. So I, I can see Brock Bowers being utilized more in like you know a spread offense that that would kind of we're we're kind of going going towards to where maybe we'll have two tight end sets. Uh, Darnell Washington lines up and blocks for JT a little bit more, and Bowers is just out there you know running a route, and it just looks great. So. There's so many options that Bowers has, but I think he's definitely going to be, you know, utilized more in our score uh, for scoring opportunities than Darnell. Mm-hmm. Now I can't be proven wrong. I would be love. I would love to be proven wrong that Darnell Washington is better than Brock Bowers right now. But from this, at this point in time, it's Brock Bowers. Again, I'm not. I'm not ready to go that far. I still think Darnell Washington is still going to be a force to be reckoned with when he comes back. But even so, we'll move on to our last three tight ends here. I'm going to throw these guys all into the same bag. Um, mostly because my thoughts on them are all pretty much all the same. And that's Lucas Kroll out of Pittsburgh, Jelani Woods out of Virginia, and Tyreek James out of Tulane. These are just wide receivers, or wide receivers. These are tight ends to be that have proven over the last two weeks that they're going to get consistent work in their offenses. And they may not have the upside to get you 20 plus points a week. Now, Jelani Woods did score more than 20 points this last week. So good on him. But even so, these like, these may not be guys that like have that super high upside every weekend and week out. But they're going to give you a floor of 10 points every single week. And if that's all you want out of your tight end, Lucas Kroll, Jelani Woods, and Tyreek James are all pretty fair choices to get. So, Xavier, what do you think here? 
Yeah, I, I'm in agreement. I, I feel like a safe floor for tight end is always a great commodity to have, especially if your tight ends didn't hit when you drafted them. Like right now, I feel like the top three tight ends are probably Meyer, uh, Dolchich, and God, I had another one in mind. It's, maybe it was Weidemeyer, but I feel like there's no, it's not, definitely not Weidemeyer. It's um, maybe to, McBride. McBride's up there. I I I have yeah. to be looking at my sheet right now, but it's uh oh, yeah. yeah. I had another guy in mind, but I, it was like it's those two uh Meyer and Dolchich are the you know the home run hits for the season right so far right now. And I feel like Meyer is gonna end up as that number one because he just looks like the best receiver option for Notre Dame. So but yeah, if you if for a tight end, you just need to have week for week. Yeah, hey, I just need you to get over five. You know, if five points is is a good floor. Because I don't know what you're going to be doing. The offense could be like having you blocking a lot. You get a few receptions. And if you get goal line work of like, you know, what Jalen Watermeyer was doing a lot last season, and that's great as well, too. So I'm fine with that. No, I agree with you. Very, very fair. All right. So our last little bit of the show here, uh, I'm just going to have my airing of grievances and Xavier's here. Uh, I'm going to list off a bunch of players that kind of screwed me this past week. Uh, just Hold like on get, now. I'm looking get, at this. I'm looking at this list, and I'm kind of hurt. But I want to let you get to those. Uh, well, again, you, you, you. I know the one you're looking at, and I'm, again, mm-hmm. it's nothing. To, again, not all of these have to do with the player or their talent. More just the situation they found in, they found themselves in, and it definitely did hurt. Uh, regardless, uh, Caleb Ellaby, uh, Jaquavius Marks, Derek King, Josh Wiley, Traylon Burks, Kenneth Walker the Third. Frank Harris, Hudson Card, Isaiah Likely, Zay Flowers, Chris Smith, and Sam Pickney. All pretty big disappointments for me this past weekend. So, Xavier, I'll let you say your piece. Uh, I'll start on uh, – I won't get to the big one just yet, but I'll, uh, for all the people that know and follow our Kings Classic, you know who I'm probably going to hit last. But I'll start off with Traylon Burks is, like, you know, a big disappointment so far. I feel like Arkansas – with K.J. Jefferson, he hasn't shown, like, you know – so much like we've seen his rushing ability and that's what they're kind of predicating their offense on and their, uh, their own rushing abilities with their running backs. And they're not using Traylon Burks as much. And he's talented enough to where we all know at the end of the season, he's going to go off to the NFL and maybe this season won't be the best showing for him, but it doesn't matter at the end of the day, but for fantasy, absolutely. This hurts for a lot of Traylon Burks owners that took him in the first or second round. So I understand that it's a big disappointment. Maybe things will progress as the season goes and KJ will, you know, find Traylon for those big plays, but I don't think he's going to be, as focal as we thought he was going to be, especially with uh, KJ. Maybe if Felipe was still there, then yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess we can move on to Hudson Card. Uh, you know, I, I really don't know what people really expected. It wasn't like he had the best performance. More than three Lafayette. points. Yeah, I know. But it's just like, what did you – you saw the Louisiana Lafayette game, and it was really like Bijan Robinson, and then you saw Xavier Worthy like a few times. Like their receivers showed really not that much. You saw Joshua Moore a few times, saw Xavier Worthy and Jordan Wington, but it wasn't enough to where like that's the guy that's going to like, you know, be able to hit those big plays, hit the check downs. Like, no, it, no, it, it was – I don't know why people had this expectation of like, yeah, whoever the Texas QB1 is. Casey Thompson technically had the better day because he used his legs when he was supposed to. But mm-hmm. it's just really weird of how Texas QB room is. And honestly, I don't even want to touch any of those players. I don't have expectations. But if you were disappointed, that's on you. I, I would st- I would just choose to stay away. They have a five-star freshman that they're going to probably get next year out of See, high school. I, I, needed, but, um, I needed to play him because I was in a Power 5 league in which I don't have a lot of good options like quarterback. Oh, so damn. I was hoping for something, not <laughs> three points. Still won the week, yeah. though. You did. 
I did, I did win the week in that league, so I guess good on me there. Uh, anybody else you want to touch on before you get to your big boy? Yeah, I'll get Chris Smith as my last one that I want to touch on. I'm still not giving up on him yet because he's still that lead back for uh, Louisiana Lafayette, but he hasn't had that 100-yard game yet uh, in his entire career. He still hasn't had it. He's gotten to like 99 yards one time, and I think that was last season. Or may have been this season as well. No, I think it was last season. And he hasn't hit for those home runs yet. Now, he is going to uh, head into some lesser competition in this group of five opponents. So I'm excited. I forgot who he plays this week. But I was expecting a little bit more because he played Nichols this past week. And I was like, all right, this is, a you know, not that great of a school. Uh, this is your time to like go off. But it just ended up being like, you know, a lot of running back by committee. Like Imani Bailey was getting a work. Chris Smith was getting a lot of work. I mean, it was just like a lot of splits and it wasn't for like the volume of like Elijah Mitchell and Trey Ragas. So yeah, I can mm-hmm. see it as a disappointment to where, you, you know, you're expecting like a, a starting running back that's going to give you like 15 and maybe 20, but only not right now. He's giving you like less than 10, maybe 12 mm-hmm. or under, but now I'm going to get to my big boy, Kenneth Walker, the third. I want people to stop panicking. Like Jared has. I, I understand. Whoa, 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 Let's be clear. Let's be clear. I put him on a list of disappointments. That doesn't mean I'm planning on dropping him anywhere. Oh, no, no. We're not going to drop him. I'm not going to bench I mean, him next week. But we, like... we understand what these, like, we, we always have these expectations when some of these teams are playing these cupcake schools that this it's for their players to go out there and just run up the points and, like, you know, put some great things on tape and have insane stats, which most the majority of the time it happens that way. But there is that that slight chance that, you know, maybe the coach decides, hey, I have a big game next week. I don't want to use you that much. I want to save you. Let's give some of our younger guys some work, which they did. They gave uh, – I forgot his name. I know his last name is Simmons, running back for uh, Michigan State. Looked pretty good against um, – oh, God. Who did they play? Started with an M. God. Uh, Youngstown. Youngstown. Why did I say M? They played Youngstown. And um, Simmons looked great. The offense looked great. Uh Wide receiver, uh, what's his name, Jared? I know his name. He was really good. Uh, oh, uh, Jaden Reed. Jaden Reed uh, might be might might be uh, making his way up on the boards of the waiver wire for me a little bit, just a little bit. We'll see. Maybe I, I I heavily considered him this week, but I just need to see that Michigan State passing game just a little bit more before I oh, yeah. officially put him on here. Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So with the, with that being said, what we saw was a lot of young talent being shown and then like a lot of the passing game probably like trying to develop so Kenneth Walker wasn't a factor he still ended up getting a touchdown so I was happy at the end of the day we got lucky our... on that we got lucky we did, on... we he did. was pulled they... in that game and then they threw him back out there for one touchdown they're just like come on let's get you a little bit warmed up so I was like thank god because it our fantasy could have been a lot worse instead of ended up losing because Pac-12 wants to end at like two o'clock in the morning but it's what neither here nor there so yeah I'll leave it at that. I'll let you touch on some players uh, before we end the show as well. I mean, I, I really just kind of listed my grievances there. You touched on Traylon Burks. It's kind of a big one for me. Uh, again, I, I've listed a lot of names here. None of it has anything to do with their talent. None of it has anything really to do with necessarily like how they performed in the game. I really just look at a list of all my teams and I say, hey, they really underperformed compared to my expectations, unless I'm here to just complain about it. So listen to yeah. me complain, God damn it. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, I think that's pretty much wraps up the air, airing of grievances for this week. And I think that wraps up our show for this week. Uh, again, for a slow, what was supposed to be a slow weekend, we got plenty of great, interesting games, a couple of shootouts, a couple of uh, good upsets going on, shaking up the rankings a little bit. Uh, maybe we're trying to 
starting to get a little bit clearer of a picture of maybe how good teams are maybe this year. We don't entirely know yet, but even still, we got a lot of football left to play. And so because of that, make sure you're tuning in every week to our shows on Mondays at 11 a.m. We will be giving you the recap of the previous weeks. On Tuesdays at 11 a.m., we will be giving the preview for the next week on what games we're looking out for, um, which players we should be playing in high-scoring games. In addition to that, we are also releasing our Kings Classic sit-start discussion every single week. So if you have a hard time kind of choosing who to sit, who to start every single week, make sure you listen to that because that gives you a great insight into the discussion, the thought processes that Xavier and I have when we try to make those decisions every single week. Uh, again, obviously, we don't make the right decision all the time, but you can at least hear where we kind of start out, where where we go with it. Uh, in addition to that, please make sure you're following us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, subscribing on YouTube, please. Um, and y'all, leave comments down below. Uh, we love responding to comments down below. And even more so, we love when you guys follow us on Twitter, give us shout outs on Twitter. And in addition to that, we are always open in the DMs. If y'all ever have a question or anything like that, please feel free to send us, send us it. We love answering questions like that. We're all, we, we try to re remain as available as possible. So yeah, I think that pretty much covers everything. Is Xavier, is there anything else you think we should add before we head out of here? Uh, no, that's it for me. Uh, yeah. Like Jared said, make sure you uh, follow, subscribe, give us a like on the podcast or sorry about the technical difficulties. We'll try to uh, work on those in the future and see if we can get back to our usual, uh, platforms but for now um yeah just enjoy uh our beautiful voices and maybe we'll uh, try to get an episode out there on youtube but yeah until next time see y'all yeah